going to talk for a short time on a, on a subject. Some time ago, I had a conversation and what turned into a series of conversation was with Nelda down in the assisted living. One day when I was visiting with her, she said she'd been talking to one of the ladies there in assisted living on a subject and she kind of asked my opinion on that. And the more we talked, the more parallel I saw through many things that we discussed. And I thought it'd be a good thing if I could share that with you this morning. I certainly got a lot out of those conversations. If we begin in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, we read here, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now that's a very different picture from what we see presented to us on a day-to-day -day basis. What we typically see round about us is all the different things that this world has to offer us. And we need not look any further than the TV to see these things flash before us to show us what wonderful things can be held if we just set our minds to it. Now, I'm not going to stand before you and tell you that there's nothing desirable about this world, there's no blessings for us to be had, that God doesn't give us anything that we could be seen as useful or that could help us in bettering our lives. That's simply not true. We enjoy way too many things for me to stand up here and try to convince you of that. But we do know there are a lot of hurtful things. There are a lot of things that are not good for our lives, and we see a warning of that here this morning. And the thing I like about the passages as we read through them and we start to see parallels. And through that conversation with Nelda, I started to see this parallel as we studied. If we go down into Luke 4, verses 1 through 13, we see where Christ was tempted. The devil took him up on that high mountain and showed him these very things and attempted to tempt him with those things. In Luke 4, verses 1 through 4, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days did he eat nothing. And when they were ended, and afterward hungered, and the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it may be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high, place, a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I, will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone." We see a parallel here to what we've read previously about the warnings of the temptations that are in this life. In verses 3 and 4, we see that he tempted him with the lust of the flesh. 
in making that stone to be bread to feed that fleshly side of himself. And he chose not to fall to that. In verses 5 through 8, he offers the lust of the eyes. The many wonderful things as they peered over off of that mountain. He offered those things to him. And yet he didn't yield. In verses 9 through 12, he appeals to the pride of life. Yet we see Christ never once faltered from focusing on the Father. You know, when we look at our own lives, are we so strong? Do we look at those things for what they are, that they're just temporary? That they're things in this life that may not necessarily be what's best for us? And in many times, they're very hurtful things in our lives. In 2 Peter, looks like I missed one. 2 Peter 2, verses 18 and 19, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage. When we think about that lust of the flesh, we read here in this passage that many times that brings us back into bondage. We accepted Christ, we were buried with him in baptism to be forgiven of those sins and no longer live in bondage. Yet the lust of these things can bring us back into that subjection. And we ourselves can choose to do those things which are very hurtful to us. They allure through the lust of the flesh. You know, as we look and we see much illicit behavior we see exemplifies this. If you think of the drug dealer and the greed that he has, he's willing to ruin people's lives for the greed. And the addict on the other side has this demand for pleasure because of the lusts of the flesh, because of the greed on one side and the corruption on the other, as those addicts have corrupted their own lives and their bodies. You know, the dealer says drugs will set your mind free, forget misery, and party more pleasurably. Yet we see those things rarely in these people. As they adhere to that addiction, it drives them further and further from God, and their bodies fall further and further apart. In verse 19, they promise liberty, but are the servants of corruption. If we think about that addict, and they overcome and are brought into a terrible, terrible bondage. Not just from their minds, but from their bodies. And the dealers and manufacturers make millions and millions of dollars catering to those fleshly desires. And over and over again, they return to it. You know, it's an ugly situation, and it's not acceptable. And as we look at those things and we think of that first passage talking about what this world has, it's got many situations like that, not just drugs, many, many hurtful things for us in our lives if we don't listen to this warning. In Ephesians 2 and verse 3, yeah, I must have skipped a page or something. I, I'm missing a lot, a lot of these verses. In verse 19, it says they promised liberty. We've already covered that one. In Ephesians 2 and 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know, this is an honest admission that some came out of the desires of the flesh. They put those things behind them. And we all came from somewhere and repented. You know, we may not have been addicts. We may not have been this. We may not have been that. But we were not what we ought to have been. And we all realized that. 
And we all realize that without Christ, we would still be in that same state. Let me see if I've got Galatians 5. I don't have it either. In Galatians 5 and 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, we're given instruction on how to avoid that, aren't we? Walk in the Spirit. Mind spiritual things. Don't mind the things of this world. That's how we avoid that. Because those times are going to come and there's going to be things that are placed in front of us that may have some appeal to us that may not necessarily be what's good for us in our lives and definitely aren't what God would have us to do. We'll be met with those things. We should walk in the Spirit and mind those spiritual things. And sometimes that's hard to do with so many different distractions in this life. So many different distractions. In times of weakness, we can falter and we can fall to these things. So we need to be, have that spiritual mind and be spiritually minded as we're taught here. You know, we may look at Jesus' example and think, what would be so bad about turning those stones to bread? What if he had done that? You know, he had been hungered for all of that time. He had fasted. What if he had done that? I'd say there would be nothing wrong with him turning those stones to bread. That wasn't necessarily a problem. But I think what we learn from that is this. Jesus was not going to give place to the devil. It, didn't matter. it wouldn't have mattered what it was. He was not going to give the devil a place in his life. And that's just the way it was going to be. And we have to make up our minds as we come together and we come together with like-minded people that we're not going to give place to the devil no matter what it is. The fleshly side is never fulfilled, never filled. And I think we've seen that, whether it be in ourselves or in other people. The desire should be toward the spiritual, just as in Galatians 5 and 16. The fleshly side with no restraint will pursue fleshly things. Without restraint, it will happen to each of us. Without thinking I'll eat, drink, and left unrestrained, will pursue these things that are alluring. Pursuing spiritual things takes more effort and training on our part. Now, what do I mean by that? You know, if I just mindlessly go from day to day, I'm going to be met with these things. And if I don't guard against these things, that's very likely if they have an appeal to me, they're going to take a part in my life. On the other hand, if I go about thinking that I'm just going to go aimlessly and have no direction in my life, and somehow the spiritual is going to take over in me, I don't seek guidance from God. I don't seek his word for what is will in my life, those things aren't going to take hold for me if I don't reach out to them. You know, on one side you have a situation where these things will absolutely be a part of your life without much effort at all. We have to make, out, make an effort for those things to be put into our lives and to mind those spiritual things because it won't just happen to us. We have to pursue it. In Luke 12... 13 through 15, it says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who, am, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists of the, not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. The lust of the eyes. When we think about those things, the things that we see, the appeal that they have to us, 
In this case, it was the man's inheritance. And the man takes the opportunity to tell on his brother, doesn't he? He's sort of telling on him to say, hey, tell him to give me that inheritance. You know, the righteous judge would be the perfect person to take advantage over his brother. If he could just get Jesus to agree to that and go and tell his brother, yeah, he's telling you the right thing. You know, this was not just a progression to another subject. Jesus knew his heart and proceeded to teach on the problem of covetousness. As we see in this passage, you know, we don't know what the inheritance consisted of. It may have been very small. It may have been rather large. We're not given any, any direction on that. But from Jesus' teaching, he placed way too much importance on whatever it was. And that can be the case for each of us at times. We may look at some that may, may seem very insignificant to others. But if we place a lot of importance on that, we have to be careful that it doesn't come to the forefront of our lives and that becomes what we pursue. Is it wrong to look forward to an inheritance? No, absolutely not. Is it wrong to kill your parent or relative for it? We see that many times. Someone has an insurance policy on their spouse, and suddenly they do these unheard of things. Certainly none of us would agree that that's something that you should do. But we've seen it happen. You know, I knew of a guy who seemingly had lots of land and lots of money. And he took on occasion times that he, he liked people to know about that. That he had all of these things. You know, many of us may have seen someone like that. You know, his parents passed on and turned out he didn't own any of it. And what was worse, he didn't inherit any of it. You know, that individual fell into a deep depression. I don't know whatever happened to him. That's where he placed his interest. That's where he placed the importance in his life. And when he couldn't have those things, and those things which made him who he was in his mind, when they were gone, he simply couldn't handle it. You know, that can happen to each of us. It'd be foolish for us to say that it couldn't. And we have to guard against those things. The lust of the eyes drew him in. In Hebrews 13 and verse 5, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Is all we ever talk about is what we've got, what we're getting, and what we want? Is that our conversation with others? You know, certainly there's more to life than these things. But you may look back in your mind and think of someone that that's, that's what their focus was. If I'm going to have a conversation with this person, we're going to talk about what they've got, what they're getting, or what they want. You know, is it a lack of ambition if I'm not that way? I don't think so. You know, many would in this world would tell you, well, you just have no ambition if you don't have any desire for those things. But I think many of us do have a lot of ambition. Our focus is just in a different place. You know, certainly there's nothing wrong with building a life with your family and having things. Most of us do. What do they call the American dream? Owning your own home. And you know, that's a good thing. That's been a blessing to many of us. But that's not where we place our importance. Enjoying what you've been blessed with while honoring God through it all. That's what we need to do. 
But the stuff should never be the focus. The stuff should complement what's important. If I'm content, does that mean I never want another thing? I don't think so. You know, we can be, tent with, be content with what we have and certainly have other things that we may want or we may think would help our lives or help our families. It means my life has a level of satisfaction that doesn't require me to constantly be looking for something else to fulfill me. You know, I like it when people refer to it as stuff. That somehow removes the importance of it. You know, we have this stuff that we want. It just seems to make it of lower importance. I like how Dave Ramsey put, uh, works it in on you. Many of you have heard of Dave Ramsey. He's done a lot of good for a lot of people. Dave Ramsey's not a perfect man, but I think he's done a lot of good for a lot of people. And when you talk about Dave Ramsey and you listen to, to the things that he teaches you about debt and overcoming these things, he talks about never eating out and downgrading your vehicle and canceling your cable and postponing that vacation indefinitely and cutting back on Christmas and birthdays. And just when you think you can't stand it anymore, he says, now we're going to get you some stuff. We're going to get you some stuff. But you know, it seems much less important at that point, doesn't it? Just his very description of these things placed as stuff seems to lessen its importance in our minds. There's something just about calling it stuff. Because I think our minds are triggered from the things we see in this life to build everything up into something that we should want. And somehow that gets downgraded. One thing about it is if you're serious about the Dave Ramsey plan and getting out of debt, you'll give stuff its proper priority. If you're serious about doing his plan, stuff will have its proper priority. And it won't be at the top. It'll be closer to the bottom. If you follow the Dave Ramsey plan, you'll start to understand that stuff is there to complement your life, not control it. And I think that's much very important point that we need to learn from these passages this morning. The things should complement your life, not make it more complicated, not make it worse than it has to be, to be overcome with debt just so we can have certain things. It should have its priority and it should complement your life, not make it more complicated. And we're back to Luke 12. A man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You know, a lot of times people let those things define them and they think, that's who I am. Look at all these different things. That's what makes me the guy that I am. And that's not so. That's not so at all. Many times people don't look at those things at all, but rather they look at how that individual treats other people to see that value. But somehow in our minds, over time, we train ourselves to think that, that the different things that we own in this life define us. Jesus' entire life while on the earth was centered around the Father. He set the perfect example in referring back to worshiping the Father alone and only serving Him. What about the pride of life? In Proverbs 29 and 23, it says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. There could be, it's, common to believe that, it's a common belief that pride is rooted in the other two. And we can see that. You know, my pride says that I can handle these other things. I can look at those things and see the lust of my eyes or the lust of my flesh. I can handle those things and do what I'm supposed to do. 
You know, pride enters into that, and we fool ourselves. Pride will tell me I can handle those things, even though this is a very clear warning. But when I let my pride tell me these things won't happen to me, I'm letting pride deceive me. In Proverbs 29, or I'm sorry, 29, back in 29 and 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. You know, there's nothing like getting humbled, is there? Many of us can look back at a time and we can think about a time when we let our pride get out of control. And maybe we were brought low. Some may remember a time when they were young and felt like they had the whole world figured out. And people must have been blessed by me being around. <laughs> we think about that. But you know, we, we had that time. We were young. We had it figured out. People liked us being around, and then badness came. <laughs> and it took it all away. That's what you call being brought low. And we've seen it time and time again. And unfortunately, a lot of times, we sort of associate that with being young, with the younger generation. But it doesn't just apply to the younger generation. It can, can apply to each of us if we're not careful. When we're prideful, we forget about the second part of the verse. We forget to be honorable, and we lean on ourselves as the authority on everything. And that's the pitfall we fall into, is leaning on ourselves and our own understanding. As we get older, we can attest, if you hold yourself up to that level of authority, you will be brought low at some point. We see that. And too many times we can see it coming in others. The pride of life is not of the Father. In Psalms 101 and verse 5 it says, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off, and him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. He's basically saying, I'll drive them from my presence. He wants no part of pride. And we see time and time again of those warnings. And many times for some reason we place that pride at a lower importance or a lower degree of importance to God. But we see time and time again that it's, it's one that he doesn't care for. Sometimes we see pride as a small thing, but it's, it's addressed in Scripture as something God detests. In Luke 14, verse 11, it says, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know, that word abased means to bring low. Again, that same idea. And we see this idea repeated when pride is addressed, that he is ever abasing the proud while giving grace, honor, and glory to the humble. Over and over again, we see where he places the importance of humbling ourselves. In Proverbs 11 and verse 2, it says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. The pride of life is not of the Father. We read that in the beginning. It's just not. But Jesus gave the perfect example of resisting pride, didn't he? There at the last part of that passage, he resisted that. What do we want to happen when he was mocked at the cross? What did we want to see happen? There was a part of us that wanted to see him rise up and deal out vengeance. But that's not what he was here for. That's not what he was about. What did we want to happen when the devil told him to cast himself down and that the angels might bear, bear, bear thee up, as it said? 
there was a part of us that wanted to see him rise up. Isn't there? That's not what he was about. He was about humility. And that's the example that he set. And that's the example that we should follow. Our first reaction is often to, to really tell people who we are, who we know, that really might set them straight. But once again, our initial reaction is usually not the right one, as we see here in the example that he set. You know, Christ's response was different. He kept his focus on the Father throughout all this passage. It was always about the Father. And when he was questioned on different things, he always talked about being about the Father's business. He wasn't here for his own pride. He wasn't here to lift himself up. He was here to set an example for you and I. And he kept that promise. It wasn't important to him to show who he was and why he was better than everyone else. That never entered his mind. He took the things that he was here to do. He set the example and he died the death for each of us. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.